Thanks for checking out this episode of Business Black Belts. I really appreciate you listening and hope you get some great insights out of today's leader. Let's dive into the show. Hey everybody, welcome back to Business Black Belts. I'm really excited today to have Alexander Simpson, who's the founder of Moonrise and one of uh, the more accomplished entrepreneurs we've had on the show in terms of how many different ventures he's succeeded at. Uh, thanks so much, Alexander, for joining our show. Good to connect, uh, thank you. Absolutely, so I thought just to start, for anyone who doesn't know you, uh, maybe you could just give a brief introduction on yourself and a little bit about um, you know, what you're doing here. I know you moved to the US a couple of years ago from South Africa, maybe you could dig in on that. <laughs> Sure, sure. So originally from South Africa, um, grew up in Johannesburg, went to an all-boys school and just started my career from an entrepreneurial sense in the fintech space, particularly with mobile um, point-of-sale systems, which kind of merged into the whole banking realm through selling it to a bank. And since then, just been very focused on kind of unlocking liquidity, whether it be from an entrepreneurial side or getting behind founders that are in the space of kind of like opening up the whole private market asset class. Um, that's quite a big passion of mine, especially coming from the roots I was from. Um, so yeah, very, very grateful to be here in America now with the bigger markets. And yeah, that's kind of been my focus, focus area. Yeah. And if we can go back to the beginning, you mentioned the roots you're from, what originally got you interested in this, uh, this topic or this challenge of getting funding? It was, it was honestly like my mom. I grew up with, um, had an amazing mother who worked really hard for me and just kind of seeing how, she like really just was so lean in terms of her business operations and savings and very um, just shrewd with her cash flow. Just made me very motivated at a young age to kind of like lift the bar for my future generation and to be more self-sufficient. Um, and, and yeah, that was a big motivation, especially seeing how hard she worked um, and how efficient she was with managing like cash, not coming from any wealth. Like it really motivated me to be very entrepreneurial in the space and get involved in other businesses that can empower people like her. And when did the journey start for you? So obviously you grew up in an entrepreneurial home. Did that, was that soon after college? Was that as a kid? Like when did you really get bit by the bug? I'd say since the age of 15. So seeing like how my mom, like at times, even to a certain extent, like suffered to like really just make like the minimum payments needed from like school fees, et cetera, that really got me motivated at a young age. Um, so very grateful for her for like, instilling those values, whether it was directly or indirectly. Um, but it just gave me like a relentless desire to build and also going to very, very competitive sports school. Um, the culture was all about pushing and like just elevating yourself. So going to an environment like that, I'm very grateful for, which helped like expedite my, my fire. Mm -hmm. And what sport were you big on? I loved rugby to be, to be honest, I was pretty useless at like holding a ball. But like the camaraderie, playing with your mates, um, you know, like the team sports and just like the laughs and the memories like that really um, just sat by me for my, my whole life. So, yeah, rugby was was really iconic for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's I, rugby looks awfully violent to me compared to American football without all the pads. I mean, there's some pretty nasty hits. It's intense. Yeah. But, but like overall, it's um, yeah, there's not many injuries, apparently, like statistically compared to other sports. And yeah, it's, it's, it's really, it's really skill. It really comes down to skill, but just the camaraderie, um, was very special. Yeah, that's awesome. And then, uh, for you, so I know you kind of got into FinTech as an entrepreneur before really diving deep on this issue of funding. So what was sort of your story there? What was the first business you actually started? How did it, 
exit? Like what's sort of your trajectory up to running, you know, Moonrise and OpenStock? So the first business in the payment space um, was actually motivated by the business called Square, which is now called Block in America. So we basically took that similar concept and did a very similar model in South Africa with um, a sponsor bank and learned very quickly through that space that A, B2C is a very difficult space from a marketing perspective, um, which really like got me towards moving towards any business that's B2B due to the sales cycle and like the dependency on the clients and edu market education. Um, and since then, kind of got involved in that, since that idea got really entrenched into like the banking environment, understanding how banks work with fintechs. And that kind of like just gave me a whole new sphere of outlook of like all the different systems that work with the banks from compliance to core banking. Um, but to be honest, like a lot of my specialty has always resonated around business development and people. Um, so like over the years, I've become more and more like deeper within the craft of understanding these different technologies, but I'm way more of like a front facing person. I enjoy engaging with people, the business development side, the strategy, the vision, um, and getting an idea going. And yeah, that, that kind of like catalyzed my experience from the age of 18 into getting an either advising or starting other ventures in the fintech space. And then after I made the move to America, really understanding the American markets a little bit more, um, which kind of like paved way in towards being a, like other different ventures, which kind of like instilled a way to be more diverse in terms of whether it's like angel investing, advising or starting new companies in the fintech space. And we kind of put it all under an umbrella co called Moonrise. Um, and yeah, that's kind of how it got started. Now, now I'm curious for you, you obviously have some area similarities to the probably the most famous entrepreneur on earth in terms of South Africa, fintech payments, you know, uh, lots of different diversity. Is Elon Musk someone that you admire or how do you think about the career he's had being a fellow South African? Yeah, I think, I think he's done a like a phenomenal job. I don't really associate him as being South African. I think just as like a human being, like he's just, his mind and his trajectory is very like forward thinking. I don't think he like wastes time on minuscule things or like monotonous things. And I think he's just one of those like, like souls or energies that are moving the human race forward. So yeah, as like, as like a, another form of energy, I think he's a lot to look up to, to be honest. Mm. Yeah, no, it's it's pretty unbelievable just how much he's accomplished at once. Yeah, I think like he's running like nine, he's taking on GM in one hand and NASA on the other hand, and like you know payments and solar. It's pretty incredible. So I'm curious for you. I know purpose is a big part of what makes you go every day. Similarly to Elon, um, maybe you can talk about just how a higher purpose has motivated you towards the success you've had as an encouragement to others who are you know, trying to either find the motivation or purpose to do this themselves. Yeah, I think, I mean, like every, every, everyone's got their own story and everyone, you can learn something from every single human being. Um, hope I'm answering the question correctly, but in essence, I think um, just like the, the, the different paths and the different people and the different goals that I've had at different stages um, has just accelerated like where I'm at today. I think there's also like a proverb, I'm not sure who it was, but they say like when you read a book, like turn it over and turn it over again, because every time you read it, you'll be at a different stance in your life. So I don't have, there's not a set answer as to like where I got to. It just came from a lot of energy, a lot of inherent motivation to, to just push in every sphere of my life. Um, and it just so happened being in, coming from like a certain background where like finance was so sought after to be good at, not coming from money. 
and being in an environment like America and coming from like a mix of a fintech background kind of paved the way. Um, but everyone's journey is special in its own right. So I don't, there's no like direct formula and it's always changing and you always got to just get uncomfortable uncom with being uncomfortable. What motivates you specifically or where, where does the drive to keep pushing when you've achieved maybe some more success than you expected come from? A lot of it relates to like unused potential. So like one of my pet peeves or something that like really like resonates is um, the amount of potential that isn't used in this world. So like, you know, I'm sure there's, there's like a lot of talent that's gone to the graveyard that could have been um, really like used in, in a different way. So like that, knowing my like true potential inside, whether it's pathological um, or not, it just drives me. And like, if I'm not fulfilling that, whether it be on like a daily basis or on a, in a conversation or anything in business, like I can't bullshit myself. And that really is what gets me going and becoming more relentless. Um, so yeah, that's where a lot of the drive comes from. And is reading a big part of that? Are you constantly reading, you know, different things to stimulate your mind? Or are you more uh, experiential? I'd say like experiential, I do read a lot. I don't have a lot of patience to go like deep into like context, to be honest with you, which is a, not a flaw, but it's something I'm strong at or passionate about. But there's a lot of like summaries that I read on a lot of these apps as well. But honestly, it's very experiential, most of my learnings. Yeah, I found the same thing. It's hard as much as you, you can read someone like Peter Drucker for ideas. All they're really doing is contextualizing what you're experiencing now. Because it's like the in isolation, the, there's too much knowledge in this one book to ever implement. Uh, and there's you know, millions of books. And now look at OpenStock. I, I'm curious, uh, that specific venture, I know a lot of employees never really can get engaged in the story of a private company in any meaningful way because phantom equity is so useless if people really understood you know, that it's just if the company sold or something, a lot of private businesses aren't on that trajectory. Could you talk through how you're solving, you know, some of these problems of employee participation engagement app at OpenStock? So we have a lot of entrepreneurs that listen to this. I think it'd be really interesting for them to know and maybe even you know, look to use you. 100%. Look, I mean, like the concept of like liquidity has been around for like decades. There's been a lot of pioneers in both the lending, lending space against equity and the actual general equity space. Um, there's just so much untapped liquidity in the sector. So like a lot of people join these companies, um, not taking into account the, like the trajectory of them in terms of like what their options or what their equity actually means. So I think from like an educational standpoint, there's like a lot of value to be added in the sector, especially as people are becoming more self-sufficient and especially in terms of like understanding where the markets have been going in terms of reliability on these companies, regardless of financing behind them, they're kind of like where we saw a big fit is to really partner with late stage companies that we can like underwrite and align with to offer liquidity and give them that control, both on the, on the lending side and on the equity side. Um, not every company can, of course, like, like endorse this sort of product because of course there is an underwriting criteria needed. Um, but in general, I think just like the liquidity space, um, it's really important that people either become like aware of what their options or what their stock means and then when they can potentially get it, whether it's, whether they have a line site of like a potential M&A or, or general liquidity event, like an IPO event, or if the company has actually got some sort of program in place that helps them tap into that liquidity. That's sort of like where we fit it in is to partner with companies 
um, at a much later valuation that have got kind of like a line site of a potential liquidity event so that we can offer whether it's non-personal recourse lending against their stock or outright secondary but we do it by partnering with the company um, to make sure it's aligned with their goals um, and how they manage it more as an employee retention um, or attraction solution. Yeah. And from everything I can see from the outside, it sounds like it's going phenomenally well. Or is that, is that a fair read? I mean, it seems like there, there's a lot of demand for this. Uh, there is definitely, I mean, like it's I mean, like there's both sides. I mean, everyone wants to tap into um, their stock. So there is a lot of demand and also from um, like a lot of financial institutions are trying to get into the space, although it's such a volatile asset class. So it's not the easiest to collateralize, to be honest with you. Um, so we've been learning as we're going also new and new things. There's like you're constantly learning because every company has got, you know, unique views on the space, unique views on how they want to like offer a liquidity program, uh, the sensitivity of data, etc. cetera. Um, so there's no standardized solution, but I can tell you that there's a lot of people trying to solve this problem, even aside from us, uh, that have got phenomenal experience in the space. So I'm very, I've been very like, um, like humbled and, and grateful about just the collection of people that I've met in the space, trying to solve the, solve the solution. Um, and also all the partnerships we formed. So there's definitely a big, um, motivation towards solving this and there's a massive demand, but we're not there yet in terms of like really cra everyone cracking it fully. Yeah. Well, it's kind of a big challenge. I mean, the way from how it's been done to where you're trying to get the world to be or like liquidity is that fluid. Yeah. When you're taking on something that's that big, do you, are you a believer in this kind of break it into chunks? Do you feel like the the big picture vision is kind of what you have to continually revisit because it is inspiring of how that would change people's lives or, you know, create retention or how do you kind of manage your day to day motivation when you're tackling something that, um, by many standards is a lot harder than what some entrepreneurs and like an EO really, I mean, you're not doing a me too business. You're really trailblazing compared to like yet another marketing agency or yet another, you know, whatever service business. hundred percent. Look, look, I think, I think honestly, like what motivates me at, at heart, like I'm quite a connected heart. I love connecting people. I love other people helping each other. Like that's just very much in my nature. So if you can build a solution that affects like multiple people or multiple nodes, like a node is someone that can affect multiple people and you can do it in a good way. And that byproduct or that wave of energy happens in a, in a good sense. So for instance, if we could unlock liquidity for a person that's kind of like coming into wealth and by way of which we unlock the liquidity for them, that helps them with their family and maybe helps them start another business and make employment. That sort of like feels aligned with my purpose and my goal. And that's what motivates me. And now a question I have for you is, so you obviously grew up learning some of these principles like of finance and kind of the school of hard knocks, if you will. Like not, I mean, difficulty created success in your life. How do you think about passing success to the next generation, like your own family or those around you um, in the sense that difficulty was a blessing for you? Like, how do you manage, you know, sharing some of what that has created for you without losing the edge that you clearly have. So, so I definitely think, I mean, like, I think like the, the home that they come from, like bringing people up with like love is like super important, but also helping them, um, giving them lessons through their own experience. Like personally, I've been, I've had advice from a lot of mentors and family members 
where that advice was all right, but I never listened until I went through it myself. So giving people that or giving your kids or like the next generation that environment where they it's safe enough for them to learn their own way, but also the communication is open for you to just feed them that communication so that they can listen more and more. And I also think just the environment that they grew up in, I was very blessed to grow up in an environment that had like such an array of like races and nationalities and wealth groups. Um, and automatically like it didn't make me judge or criticize because we were all treated like equally at school. Um, so I think the upbringing is super important, like in terms of raising them in, them in an environment where they can inherit a great network for the future, but also an environment where there's other kids that never came from means, but that are come from like sponsorships or more hardships. So you can embrace a multitude of people at a young age. I think that really cultures you very early. And that's something that you can, you can control by the environment you put them in. And, and how is it building a business in New York City? I'm so curious. You talk about environment. I mean, it's, I always say if you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. How does it compare to South Africa? Or just is, is it as hard as someone like me as an outsider would think it might be just with costs and labor and even just personal expenses as you're kind of managing risk? Yeah, I think, look, the environment is conducive to the growth. So like New York breeds such energy. And I must say the quality of people I've met is amazing. So from like a motivational standpoint and from a, um, and also being in like finance and banking, it's really, um, it, it felt right being here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it's kind of, kind of still the banking capital of the world from everything I can tell, not being in that space. I mean, if you want to be there, that's where all the players are. Um, and, and last question I have too, on the, on that front of finance industry. So you mentioned the, how B2C was a lot harder than B2B. A lot of marketers on uh, business black belts or entrepreneurs uh, who listen to this show are always trying to figure out a marketing puzzle. Have you? What have you learned in your success that might allow you to go back to B2C in the future? Like, is there anything you looked at and said, yeah, this bridge to B2B might be easier, but are there lessons you take away for anyone that's trying to do B2C that you didn't realize at the time that you found it to be so hard? Look, I think if you can find B2B2C channels, beforehand um so working through channels that that would complement your solution to gain like indirect demand through their customer base or direct customer feedback would be key i think getting customer feedback through distribution channels and directly with customers so having a cohort of of both so like feedback from direct customers and um channels i think that would be the best feedback i have get that beforehand to ascertain that there's demand for the product like real demand that you like you can't bullshit on. I think that's key. And then you can go into the space. Yeah, it's good advice. Don't, don't make too many assumptions about demand that aren't tested. Correct. Especially going through channels that have already explored like these ideal customer profiles and then aren't intimidated by working with you from a competitive standpoint. Hmm. And, and for you, do, I guess I know you, you mentioned reading. So uh, I wanted to ask, are there any books, any aspiring entrepreneur listening to this that you would say, if you had to read, you know, one book or two books in the trenches, what, what would they be for you? I'd say it's Untethered Souls and Atomic Habits. <laughs> I've, I've read Atomic Habits. I haven't read the first one. The Atomic Habits I know is quite good. Yeah, I'd say those two, those ones, like the other ones more spiritual and managing about ego. Um, yeah, th those would be the main ones I'd recommend. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a... Uh, it, Good advice. I know with habits, it's amazing how much they power us. 
So another uh, question I had for you is kind of wrap up is I know there's a lot of people that might listen to this and think, oh, I'd love to connect with Alexander, but you're busy. Uh, who are the kind of people that you're really looking to network with as it relates to obviously anyone like payment processing, like New York City based entrepreneurs, like anyone you'd recommend, hey, if you're in this field, let's definitely connect or just you know, in this vein. I think any like aspiring entrepreneurs between the ages of like, like 19 to 26, um, either coming from corporate or coming from like university that are just trying to like rapidly go into the entrepreneur world, if I can just help dissect a few, just give them another, like another viewpoint and like how they should approach things, how they should jump into a business, their perspectives of like raising funding versus getting clients first. I think any entrepreneurs, they're like ambitious of leaving a job or going straight from university into, um, into the real world. I can just give my like deep dive experience whether they can relate or can't but i'm sure that they can get some references to help them and then anyone in fintech's probably good to connect with you if they hear this or are interested just because obviously you're very deep in that space um, and is linkedin an okay way or what do you normally say if someone just wanted to reach out to you yeah linkedin's linkedin's perfect or yeah happy with linkedin that's perfect yeah, awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. We definitely look forward to continuing to follow your progress in open stocks. And uh, as Alexander mentioned, feel free to reach him on LinkedIn. And especially if you're an aspiring entrepreneur or inside the finance space, I know it'll be a great conversation. And we really appreciate you taking some time today. Thanks again for listening to today's episode of Business Black Belts. Should you want to see more content on both the show, marketing, and business in general, feel free to check out my LinkedIn. Thanks.